This is Masachet Megillah Daf Zayin. We will begin on Daf Vav Amud Bet. We are two lines from where the wide lines begin, the widest lines towards the latter uh, quarter of the page where the Mishnah begins. The Mishnah says, So this is our circumstance this year that we have a leap year. So what happens if they read the Megillah in the first Adar and then the Beddin decided to add an adar, an adar sheni, to make the leap, to make the year a leap year. Now, normally, nowadays, we rely on the calendar. We know ahead of time if it's going to be a leap year. But in the times that there was a Sanhedrin and they were still deciding the calendrical setup from year to year, so this could happen. So what happens if you already read the Megillah and then they decide to make it a leap year? So So then you have to go back and read the Megillah in the second adar because the first adar did not count. In ben adar arishon, adar sheni. There's no difference between the first Adar and the second Adar, Elekuyata, Megillah, Umatanot, Devyonim, except for the reading of the Megillah and the gifts to the poor that are given out on uh, Purim Day, that this occurs in the second Adar and not in the first Adar. And even if it was done in the first Adar, it would not be valid, as our Mishnah says. Now the Gemara says, So the implication is that with regard to Seder Parashiot, this is talking about the Parashiot that we read in the month of Adar, Starting from before, uh, uh, starting basically from Rosh Chodesh Adar until Nisan, we read four special parashiot. We read Parashat Shikalim, we read Parashat Zachor, we read Parashat Param, we read Parashat Hachodesh. The four parashiot that we read are read uh, spread across the month of Adar until the month of Nisan, and. Um, and what happens if you read those in the first Adar instead of the second Adar? So the implication of our Mishnah is that it, does, that it would be okay. In other words, that Megillah is to be repeated in the second Adar. But if you read the, par- the wrong parashiot, you read the parashiot, those far- four parashiot in the first Adar, you would not have to repeat them in the second Adar. So Mani Matnitin, who is our Mishnah representing? It doesn't fit with any of the three opinions that we're f- familiar with. Which, as we're going to see, are the Tanakh, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabban Shemov and Gamliel. The Tanya says in the Brayta, "Karoita Megillah Badar Rishon Mitabar Shana." In the Brayta, it says that if they read the Megillah in the first Adar and then it became a leap year, so Korino Da Badar Rishoni, then you have to read it in the second Adar to make up for it. Shekol Mitzvot Shenoagot Bashani, because all Mitzvot that are practiced in the in the second month, Noagot Barishon are practiced in the first month, chut mikram Megillah, except for mikram Megillah, except regarding the reading of the Megillah. In other words, the Megillah. Um, has to be done in the second Adar specifically and not in the first Adar. So, according to if you already read it in the first Adar, you don't have to repeat it in the second Adar. It's good enough because any mitzvah that would be done in the second Adar could be done in the first and you're good. You have to read it again in the second month, the second Adar, because any mitzvah that is supposed to be done in the in Adar uh, is not done in the first Adar. It has to be done in the second Adar. Everybody agrees with regard to Esped and Tanit that you can't eulogize and you can't have fasts on the 14th or 15th of the first Adar, even though you're reading the Megillah on the 14th and 15th of the second Adar. So what do we see here? First of all, the Gemara questions the Brayta itself. Rabban Shemob ben Gamliel ben Gamliel just repeats what the Tanakhama said. The Tanakhama said that if you read the Megillah in the first Adar and then it became a leap year, you have to read it again in the second Adar. That's what Rabban Shemob ben Gamliel says. Same thing. This is, they're really arguing about the issue of the four parashiot that we mentioned before. Parashat Shikalim, Parashat Parah, Parashat Chodesh, Parashat Zachor. The Tanakhama said that 
Because according to the Tanakhama, you, you're supposed to do those readings in the second Adarvi, Avud Barishon, but if you happen to do them in the first one, then Avud, then, it's, then you're okay. Bar Migla, except from the reading of the Migla. That even though you read it in the first month, you have to read it again in the second month. And Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Yossi says that the, the reading of the Migla can even be done in the first month, the first Adar. Certainly the Parashot can be done then too. That it goes even further that even if you read the parashiot like Shkalim and Zachor, uh, Para, and Hachodesh in the first Adar, you would have to read them then in the, uh, in, again in the second Adar. So the Machloket between a bunch of Baba Gamliel and the Tanakhama is about this parashiot, whether they're supposed to be read, they have to be done again if they were done in the first Adar. Okay, according to Rabbi Yelis, Rabbi Yossi, everything is done in the first Adar, Lechatchila. So, Kashia, the question, Seder Parashiot, so the, so the question is like this. Itanakama, if our Mishnah follows the Tanakama, right? So the question is money. Who is our, who is our Mishnah? Because Itanakama, if it's Tanakama, Kashia Matanot, the Tanakama of the Brayta does not say that Matanot Levionim has to be given in the second Adar. He says only the reading of the Megillah, implying that the giving of the Matanot is done in the first Adar. That contradicts our Mishnah. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi, if it's Rabbi Yossi, Kashia that definitely is not our Mishnah, because Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi says that you should read the Megillah, the Chathila, even in the first place, in the first Adar. And for sure we're not saying that in our Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Kashia said the Parashiot, and Rabban Shimon Gamliel, we have the problem that he says that you have to repeat the Parashiot, the four special Parashiot. If you read them in the first Adar, you have to read them in the Second Adar. So it doesn't work out because according to the Tanakhama, we have a problem with Matanot Levionim contradicts our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says second Adar, he says first Adar. If we're talking about Rabbi Lezab Rabbi Yossi, it all doesn't fit at all with our Mishnah because our Mishnah is talking about the second Adar and according to Rabbi Lezab Rabbi Yossi, you do everything in the first Adar. But according to Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, the question is, Seder Parashiot, that Rabbi Shabbat Gamliel says that you have to also do the four special Parashiot in the second Adar. And we had said in the beginning that our Mishnah implies that reading the Seder Parashiot could be done in the first Adar. So the Gemara says, Leolam, Tanakama. Really, we're following Tanakama here. And we're being a little bit too extreme. We're assuming that the Tanakama, who said that you read the Megillah specifically in the second Adar, is not including Matanot Levionim, but they have bad talia. But the reality is that they're connected to each other. And even though he only mentioned reading the Megillah in the second month, he means also Matanot Levionim. So that fits perfectly with our Mishnah. Then, therefore, our Mishnah would basically, basically be saying, what Rabbi Elizabeth, uh, sorry, what, um, what uh, exactly what Tanakhama is saying, which is that when it comes to Mikra Migilah, it has to be done in the second month, and so does Matanot Levyonim. Levyonim have to be done in the second Adar. When it comes to the Parashiot, the four special Parashiot, if they were read in the first Adar, but they're it's okay. Vibait, them alternatively, we could say the Olam Rabbat Shabbat Ben Gamlieli. Could be that, uh, the, that we're, our Mishnah fits with Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel. What about the fact that Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel says that if the four parashiot were read in the first month, they have to be repeated in the second month, right? Umat Nidin Chasoyim Chasra. Our Mishnah is missing something. Vachikatane. This is what our Mishnah means. In ben Arbaasar Shabbat Rishon, the Arbaasar Shabbat Rashini. Elamikam Megila Umatanot. Alinyanis Bevitanit Zevizashavin. So the point is that according to this interpretation, our Mishnah wasn't talking about any mitzvah in the first Adar and any mitzvah in the second Adar, meaning to include uh, the Seder Parashiot. It wasn't commenting on the issue of those special four Parashiot at all. It was only commenting on the 14th and 15th of Adar and that the mitzvot of the 14th and 15th of Adar 
in uh, instead of being in Adar Rishon, have to be in Adar Sheni. But our Mishnah wasn't taking a position on Seder Parashiyot, so it could actually fit either with Rabban Shimon Megamliel or with the Tanakhama, because both of them agree that the Megillah is to be read in the second Adar, not in the first Adar. And in, and our Mishnah is not taking a position. We assumed it was taking a position on the Seder Parashiyot, but if we understand the Mishnah is really just talking about the 14th and 15th of Adar Rishon and the 14th and 15th of Adar Sheni, then it's not talking about those Parashiyot at all, and therefore it's not making it, taking a position on that at all. And it could be that it fits with Rabban Shabbat Gamaliel, and it could be that the Tanakhama doesn't hold that Matanot Levionim are, are done on the second Adar, maybe really holds that that's done on the first Adar, and we're not following him in our Mishnah. We're following Rabban Shabbat Gamaliel, that both the Mikram Megillah and the Matanot Levionim are done in the second Adar, and about the Parashiyot, that's a whole different issue. Our Mishnah is not talking about that at all. Right, and they, we move on that, um, and, uh, and as we said, regarding Hesped Vitanit, the first and the second month of Adar, there's no Hespedim, and there's no fasting. On the 14th and 15th, both of Adar Rishon and Adar Sheni, that's why we don't have Tachanun nowadays, on Adar Rishon and Adar Sheni on the 14th and 15th of those months, even though in Adar Rishon it's not Purim. Amar Rabbi Chiyah Baravin, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Hilchetak Rabban Shabbat Gamliel, Talachafalz Rabban Shabbat Ben Gamliel, Shemar Mishim Rabbi Yossi, who said in the name of Rabbi Yossi, meaning, that everything is really to be done in the second uh, Adar and nothing in the first Adar. The two of them are deriving their halacha from the same psukim, from the same source. Meaning, whether you argue for the first Adar or the second Adar, it comes from the same source. It says every year we observe Purim. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi he says, it says every year you have Purim be the same. So just like every year we go, we celebrate in the Adar, which is right after Shvat, Afghan, Adar, Shvat. Same thing here, the Adar that comes right after Shvat. Just like every year, this, the Adar in which we celebrate Purim is the Adar that comes before Nisan. Afghan, Adar, Nisan. So do in a year that is a leap year, we should do it in the Adar that is connected to Nisan. And not the one that is right after Shvat. So Bishlam Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Yosi Mistaber Tamad in Marvin Al Mitzvot. Now we understand Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Yosi because he says you should do it the first or the earliest opportunity. It makes sense to say the first month called Adar. That's when we should have it right after Shvat. But according to why do we pass the first Adar and wait for the second? The reason is, says Rabbi Tavi, that Rabban Shibon Begamliel wants us to connect one redemption to the other. Redemption of Purim followed by the redemption of Pesach, and therefore he wants it to be in the second Adar, not the first. Rabbi Elazar, my Tama. I'm sorry, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar says, Tama, Rabban Shibon Begamliel, Meacha. There's a different source for Rabban Shibon Begamliel. This is a Pasuk from the Megillah. Says that they they upheld the letter of Purim Hashenit the second. The word Hashenit comes to emphasize the second, meaning the second month of Adar is when it should be celebrated in a leap year. That's a hint in the pasuk to the idea of the second month. And you would need both of these psukim really. Um, the the pasuk that says each and every year is the same, and the pasuk that says Hashenit because if we just had we could say that it means meaning the Adar that is right after Shvat, like every other year. First Adar that we encounter. So, that's why you need the word Shenit. Because if you had the, only the Pasuk HaShenit, you might have thought that you have to do a Purim in both the first and the second Adar. Not in just one of them. So, that's why you have the Pasuk each and every year, just like you have only one um, uh, only one uh, Purim. You have only one Purim even in a leap year. So, even, so you have to do it in the second month 
meaning the second Adar, but it should only be like every other year, that there's only one for him, not you're doing it in the second Adar, and also the first Adar. Only one of the Adars is included. What does Rabbi Yossi do with the Pasuk HaShenit? Why doesn't it push him to want to have for him in the second Adar? He needs it for a drasha of Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yehuda. Because Initially, they established the holiday of Purim only in Shushan, it was only later that they sent the second letter of Purim, that's Hashanit, to establish it as a holiday everywhere in the world. Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, Shalchalem Esther Lechachamim. Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda said that Esther sent to the Chachamim, Kibun Nidorot, establish me as a holiday forever and establish my book, Megillat Esther, forever. Shalchula, they said to her, Kinat Meorayot Alenu Leben Aumot, what you're doing is going to cause anger and resentment from the nations of the world against us because we're celebrating how we um, you know, overcame them and defeated them in the battle in Persia. It's going to look very bad. So she said back to them, My story is already written in the annals of the kings of Madayan Paras, meaning it's already a historical fact. What difference does it make that we have a Megillan, that we celebrate this salvation? It's not going to make things any worse in the eyes of the non-Jews. These four rabbis, so they all taught the following teaching, right? Now there's a sort of a parenthesis. In other words, first it lists these rabbis, they taught. Then it interrupts and says, by the way, in all of the order of Moed, which Megillah is part, Masachet Megillah is part of Seder Moed, anytime you have these, these pairs of rabbis, you should take out Rabbi Yochanan and put in Rabbi Yonatan. So really it should be Rav Chanina, Rav, Rav Chanina, Rabbi Yonatan and Rav Chaviva, not Rabbi Yochanan. Esther wrote to the Chachamim and said, Write me forever, meaning make my book, Megillat Esther, part of the Tanakh. They said to her, I've already written for you, Shalishim, three times, right? This is from Mishlei. I've already written for you three times. What does it mean, I've written for you three times? Shalishim lo That means that it's uh, three times and not four times. So, so meaning to say what? That the, the issue of the Milchemet Amalek, it's already written three times in the Torah. The first time when the, when Amalek attacked us in the end of Parashat Bishalach. Second time when the mitzvah to remember Amalek in Sefer Dvarim. And the third time in Sefer Shmuel, in Sefer Shmuel when Shaul fights against Amalek. It's already three times in the Torah. And when it says, I wrote for you Shalishim three times, that means you don't have something four times. Until they found in the Torah a hint. Which was Ketov Zot Zikron Basefer when Moshe Rabbeinu after the Milchemet Amalek the first fight against Amalek says to Yahushua he says Hashem says to him write this as a remembrance in a book Ketov Zot Mashikatuv Kant when it says write this it means the Parashat Bishalach the actual story of Milchemet Amalek which incidentally is what we read on Purim morning as the Torah reading Mishnah Torah and it also includes Mishnah Torah in other words everything that's written in the Sefer Torah is one mention Zikaron Basefer right Zikaron is Mashikatuv Banevim that's what's written in the Prophets in the Book of Shmuel right Basefer so that that means in the Megillah. In other words, the word Basefer means the Megillah. So you have Ketov Zot, 
That's one thing. Zikaron, that's the second thing. Basefer, that's the third thing. And so therefore, that teaches you what's in the Torah, what's in the Nevi'im, and now what's in the Ketuvim. So we have the right to have three different appearances of Melchemet Amalek, and that can include Megillat Esther. But actually, Katanai is actually a Machlok Ketanim, because Ketov Zod, Mashi Ketuv Ka'an, Zikaron, Mashi Ketuv Mishneh Torah, Basefer, Mashi Ketuv Benevi'im. Dever Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua says, no, the three mentions are, once in Parashat Bishalach, in the Sefer Shemot, once in the Book of Dvarim, once in, in Shmuel, Book of Shmuel, you don't have another opening for Megillat in other words, according to Rabbi Elazar Modai, Ketov Zot includes both what's written in the book of Shemot and what's written in the book of Dvarim because they're both in the Sefer Torah. The question is, is it three mentions across Tanakh that's allowed or three sections of Tanakh that you have one authorization to have it appear in Torah, one for Nevi'im and one for Ketuvim, which would allow for Megillat Esther. So you have a machlok at whether it's really considered a part of the Tanakh. Amar of Yehuda, Shmuel, Esther, comes along of Yehuda, and the name of Shmuel and says, Esther, or the book of Esther, does not make the hands impure, which means that the Chachamim actually made a gzerah that Sifrei Kodesh, specifically uh, books, scrolls of Tanakh, are mitameta yadaim. They make the hands impure, that if you touch truma afterwards, it will make the truma pasul. They, and the reason why they made this gzerah is because people used to store the, the truma, the bread that was holy, together with the sfarim, because they figured they're both holy. And what happened is that mice and rats and whatever went to get the food, and they would also take some bites out of the sifrei Torah and out of the other sfarim. So therefore they said, these sfarim from now on are tamay. They will make the truma tamea. And so uh, that way they wouldn't store them together. So... The point when you say enam mitamata yadam, it means it's not part of the Tanakh. It's not considered a sefer, uh, uh, a holy sefer. Are you saying that Shmuel holds that the contents of uh, Esther are not were not said in Ruach Hakodesh? Were not said with divine inspiration? We learned that Esther, the Book of Esther, was said with the Ruach Hakodesh. That means that it was written, it was given in Ruach Hakodesh to be read, but not to be written. In other words, yeah, we have to re- we have to recite it. The content is Ruach Hakodesh, but we don't have authorization to create a sefer out of it. And the Tosafot talks about here. Well, how can you do it, Baal Peh? Can you do it without any sefer? Obviously, they would have some rabbinic um, rule that you have to write it down so you can read it from a text so it'll be accurate, but it doesn't have kedusha. There's no permission to create kedusha of a sefer of Tanakh out of Megillat Esther according to Shmuel. Right? That's, a, that's his position. Maybe we raise an objection. Rabbi Meir this is actually a Mishnah that we find in Masechet Yadayim, third pack of Masechet Yadayim, which talks about the different books of Tanakh and what their status is. And basically, by talking about whether they make the hands impure, that is their way of saying, are they considered a part of Tanakh or not? Because if they're considered part of Tanakh, then they would make the hands impure, and if not, then not. Rabbi Meir, according to Rabbi Meir, the book of Kohelet does not make the hands impure, meaning it's not really part of Tanakh. And there's a machloket about Shira Shirim. Rabbi Yossi says, no, Shira Shirim for sure. Is Tanakh umachloket bekohelet? The machloket is about kohelet, so they have exactly the opposite position. Rabbi Meir says kohelet is definitely not machloket about shir shirim. An argument about that. Rabbi Yosef says no, shir shirim is definitely yes. Kohelet is the machloket. Maybe Shimon Omer kohelet mikulei bechamu mechumei beitilel. Rabbi Shimon says that you're right. Kohelet is a machloket. The bechamai is lenient and says it's not mitamei tayadaim, and beitilel says it is. But Rut, Shir Shirim, and Esther, they're all considered part of the Tanakh. So Shir Shirim for sure is, um, is, uh, a, is, is part of the Tanakh. So, uh, so that's going, that is agreeing in one way with what the, uh, with what Rabbi Yossi said, which is that it's a machloket about Kohelet, whether it's part of the Tanakh or not. But it's disagreeing that Shir Shirim 
is uh, uh, it's and it's but it's emphasizing that uh, that Shira Shirim is definitely mitameta um, and also Ruth and also Esther, uh, which um, which that was something that uh, Rabbi Yossi did not address. He didn't address. Um, uh, Esther and Ruth. So Agoron comes to Rabbi Shimon and says that Esther and Ruth also are metamein etayadai. Right. So what do we see there? We see that uh, that it seems that at the end that Ruth and uh, and Shira Shirim and Esther are metamein etayadai. When they're brought into the discussion here, it's brought in as a fact that they are metamein etayadai. They're part of the Tanakh. So how could Shmuel say otherwise? How could he disagree? Because nobody seems to disagree with that in this Mishnah. No dissenter is found in this Mishnah. It says, Rabbi Yoshua. He'll say like Rabbi Yoshua. In other words, Rabbi Yoshua said above that there was no permission granted for creating a text of Megillat Esther. There were only three mentions of, of Amalek allowed in the whole Tanakh. And two of them are taken by the Torah. One is taken by Sefer Shemuel. So that means that, that uh, Esther is not part of the Tanakh. So even though even though in this Mishnah Masechet Yadayim, it sounds like a fact that Esther is part of the Tanakh and nobody disagrees there, but we know that Rabbi Yoshua has a different opinion and that's what Shmuel holds. Tanya, Rabbi Yitzhah says, Rabbi Shimon ben Menasseh Omer, Kohelet in Amadavad Ayadayim, Neshech Chochmatosha Shlomoi. That uh, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Menasseh, Kohelet is not part of the Tanakh, it does not make the hands impure, because it's just the wisdom of Shlomo. Is this the only wisdom that Shlomo shared? We say that he gave over 3,000 Mishalim, 3,000 Proverbs, way beyond what's written in the Kohelet and the book of Mishalim. And he also said, do not add to his words. It says in, the, uh, it says in a Pasuk, in uh, in Mish in Mishlei uh, uh, itself, it's really al tosf al dvarav. Don't add onto the words. In other words, the uh, meaning that there's something sanctus, you know, sacred about whatever parts of uh, uh, of Shlomo's wisdom were uh, were codified um, and included in the Tanakh. So those things, uh, you know, you can't add to them. Uh, because there's something sa- sacred about them. So, my Omer, why do you need that second pasuk? The point is that you might have thought, if you didn't have the pasuk that says don't add to it, you'd say, okay, so Shlomo Melech said thousands and thousands of things. Some of them he decided to put in Kohelet and Mishlei, some of them he didn't decide. Uh, it's just Chochmato Shel Shlomo. So uh, it, you could still say that he, even though he said 5,000 things, he only decided to record a few hundred of them in his books. That, that doesn't uh, mean that those few hundred things are sacred or Ruach HaKodesh. But the Pasuk that says don't add on to his words teaches you that there's a reason those were selected and none others. You can't add on to them. And don't just think, oh, whatever he wanted to write, whatever he didn't want to write. No, whatever is in there is in there for a reason because it was given Ruach HaKodesh. Tanya says in the Bible, Rabbi Eliezer says, how do you know that Esther was written with Ruach HaKodesh with divine inspiration because it says, it says what Haman thought in his heart. How could anybody writing know what Haman thought in his heart if Hashem didn't tell us what Haman thought in his heart? The way that we know that Esther was written with Ruach HaKodesh, Rabbi Akiva says, is because it says Esther found favor in the eyes of everybody. Everyone who saw her. Now, how could we possibly know? How could an author possibly know that everybody loved Esther? Only Hashem could know that. So therefore, that means that the author had divine inspiration. Rabbi Meir Omer, Esther Ruach HaKodesh, Nehemar HaShnehemar, Vayivadad Dvar Namor Dechai. It says that, uh, Rabbi Meir says, how do we know that, Ruch, that there was Ruach HaKodesh involved, that the person who wrote Megillat Esther had Ruach HaKodesh, because it says the matter became known to Mordechai. Right? In other words, and Rashi says, right, the, uh, the, and according to the way Rashi interprets it is, 
Migilalo. How did he find it out? Ruach Kodesh Ralav. In other words, that means that Mordechai had Ruach uh, Kodesh. So that's how you see that there was Ruach Kodesh at play because Mordechai figured out uh, what was uh, what was going on with Big Tan Bateresh that they wanted to kill Achashverosh. And uh, and Rabbi Yosef ben Domaskit Omer Esther Ruach Kodesh Nemarash Nemar Uvavizol Shochot Yadam. He, he says, Rabbi Yosef ben Maskit said that the, the way that you could tell that, it was, that Esther was written with Ruach HaKodesh is because it says that the Jews didn't take any of the spoils of the battle when they defeated all the anti-Semites. How could anybody know that without Ruach HaKodesh? Amar Shmuel says, Ya Vayatam. Shmuel said, if I had been there, but these, these are all Tanaim up till now. These are all uh, rabbis of the Mishnah. Shmuel is a rabbi of the Gemara. So he says, if I had been there, having that discussion, Havamir, I would have said something, I would have said the best of all. Because it says, they established and they accepted. Which we interpret to mean, in heaven, they, they ratified what the Jewish people accepted below. Meaning that there's a hint to the idea that Hashem ratified and endorsed what the Jewish people accepted as the mitzvot of Purim below. All of these drashot of these rabbis, you could find a way around them. You could argue that there isn't Ruach HaKodesh involved. But the one of Shmuel, there's no argument against Shmuel's uh, reasoning. Because it, since there's a reference to divine agreement with the idea of Purim in the Megillah, that can only be put there by divine inspiration. Now, to Rabbi Eliezer, now in other words, when it comes to Rabbi Eliezer, how, what's the refutation of Rabbi Eliezer? Rabbi Eliezer said that the way we know that it's Ruach HaKodesh involved is because it says what Haman was thinking in his heart. He says, no, Svarahu, it's just Svarah de lahava inish de chashiv le malka kivate. Since he thought there was nobody as beloved to the king as himself, and so when he's going on with all these descriptions of all the good things to do, for this person, clearly he's saying it about himself. In other words, you don't need to have Ruach HaKodesh to realize that the reason why Haman would elaborate so much uh, on what should be done for somebody beloved to the king is because he thinks he's going to get it because he was the closest to the king and he's elaborating so much. The Rabbi Akiva, how do we know Rabbi Akiva's reasoning is not ironclad? He said that the way that we know that there's Ruach HaKodesh, divine inspiration and the authorship of the Megillah is because it says everybody loved Esther, right? How would you know that without divine inspiration? It could be that it was just a matter of fact. It didn't have anything to do with uh, Ruach HaKodesh, with secretly what was going on in their minds, but everybody was saying, oh, I think she's Italian. Oh, I think she's Spanish. Oh, I think she's this. Everybody was saying that she looked like their nation, their background. Everyone wanted to claim her for themselves. Huh? Like happens today with certain movie stars or celebrities that everyone's like, oh, she's Jewish, or he's Jewish, or he's Italian, or he's this. Whatever people want to believe that the, they, these celebrities are uh, have a connection to them and come from the same ethnicity or religion as them. What about Rabbi Meir's argument? Then how how can you tell that it, the, the Megillat Esther was written with Ruach HaKodesh? Because, uh, because it says that Mordechai n- figured out what Bikan Bateresh were uh, saying, and that must be with Ruach HaKodesh. No, Dilmak Rabbi Chiyabarava. Maybe it's like Rabbi Chiyabarava said that Bikan Bateresh, Shenei Tarshi'im Hayu, that they were from a different nationality. They were Tarshi'im, Bikan Bateresh. And meaning that, and since Mordechai, uh, and they were talking in their language, thinking nobody there knew that language, it happened to be that actually, um, uh, Mordechai did know their language and that's why he was able to understand them and had nothing to do with Ruch HaKodesh in that case. What about Vahad Rabbi Yosef ben Dur Maskit? What about Rabbi Yosef ben Dur Maskit who said that the way that you know that Megillat Esther could only be written by Ruch HaKodesh is because it claims that the Jewish people did not take any of the spoils of their enemies. How could it know that? Dilma Pristakejadu. Maybe um, the king or whoever sent out officials to record this and to investigate it and so it was public record. 
It had, didn't have to do with Ruach HaKodesh. It was public record that the Jews didn't take anything from their enemies because they actually sent people out to evaluate it. Okay, so all of these arguments for the Ruach HaKodesh basis of Megillat Aser could be refuted. However, the Shmuel Vadailet de Opercha, but there's no refutation of Shmuel's. And Amar Ravina Ravina said, um, and uh, it should say Amar Rava, according to what the Bach has. Hi, Nudamre, in the shade, it's like people say, Tavachada Pilpalta Harifta Mimbaletanekare. That one sharp pepper is more valuable than a basket full of gourds, in other words, of more bland vegetables. Meaning one sharp idea of Shmuel is worth all of the other arguments that were placed above that could be refuted, but his couldn't. Rav Yosef says, I'll give you another reason that the Tanaim did not mention that shows that Megillat Tester was written with Ruach HaKodesh because it says that the days of Purim will never pass, they will never end, that forever the Jewish people will celebrate Purim. How does he know that? How could the Megillah know that that's the case with that Ruach HaKodesh? It also says that the remembrance of Purim will not pass away from the descendants of the Jewish people. Again, how could the Megillah know something about far into the future like that if not, if it hadn't been written with Ruach HaKodesh? Now, we talked about giving uh, gifts to the poor. Tanei. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef taru mishloch manot Yisraelu shetei manot lishachat. When we fulfill the mitzvah of sending gifts to our friends, mishloch manot, sending gifts of food to our friends, we send two portions to one person. In other words, two food items to one individual. Because it says umishloch manot, it says manot in the plural, but it says ish lireelu, a person to his friend. So that means one person. You only have to give one mishloch manot, but it has to have two items in it. But matanot levyonim shetei matanot shetei bnei adam. When it comes to Poor people, it says, matanot levyonim, plural matanot, and plural evyonim, which means you have to give each person a gift, meaning two people, not two gifts for one person, like ish lera'ew, a man to his friend, but matanot levyonim, gifts to the poor people in the plural, that means at least two people. Rabbi Yehuda Nesia, shadar le'lerav o'shaya, atma diglatilta. The um, Rabbi Yehuda Nesia sent to Rabbi O'shaya the thigh of a Third born calf. Generally, that's how the Iglatilta is translated in different ways by Rashi in different places. Sometimes it talks about the age of the calf, that it was tender and it was young. It was only a third of its growth. Some say that it was uh, the third to its mother. Either way, it was an especially succulent kind of a meat. And he sent them that, a piece of meat from that. He also sent them a barrel of wine or, uh, or a jug of wine for uh, Matanot. I'm sorry, for Mishloch Manot. And... Uh, 